2: Monday morning edition of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Tony. with you. What a weekend capped by another <laughs> heavyweight fight that resulted in heartbreak uh. in Western New York. And yes, Michael, we already hear you reacting to it. Hectic day. Um, we'll talk it all over as well as with Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook a little bit later on this hour at the Borgata. Um, Albert Breer is going to join us in hour two, talk through the coaching carousel, NFL insider, of course, and Vison Zone. Mike Pritchard coming up near the end of the show get his reaction to the weekend and push it forward but okay Michael we were touting Bill's Chiefs as the best game of the divisional round and boy did it deliver which two words are worse for Buffalo fans at this point wide right or 13 seconds what's worse
3: Well, I mean, there's so much that went into this game, right? It was kind of mirrored the game they played in Kansas City. The, uh, you know, the Tony game where he lines up offsides, that was 20-17. to That game was the Bills dominated, had the ball for 37 minutes, and the Chiefs only had it for 22, but the Chiefs outgained them per play. Uh, This is a game where the Chiefs were only in third down five times the entire day. I mean, all the conversation we had during the week about, you know, are the Bills healthy, who's coming, who's playing, who's not, it was a wounded unit, and their defensive front got pushed around. I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway from this game is how much improved the offensive line was mm-hmm. of, the, of the Kansas City Chiefs, how they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage average, 6.1 yards per carry in a game. Once again, Buffalo gets pushed around by an opponent in their home stadium in a playoff game you got to have to say it. Now, look, you could say, well, we weren't healthy, all that. But I feel badly for Bills fans because this was one of those where, you know, they had their opportunity, and the reality was they couldn't make any plays in the passing game. I mean, that was the end of the day. They could run the football, but their longest pass play was 15 yards, Stormy. So you don't score points if you can't throw it and make chunk plays. And for the bad, the wide right, the digs drop is just as bad. I mean, they were fortunate this wasn't a 10-point lead. The, the, the fumble by Hardman, not getting the fumble by Allen, they had everything going their way. They still couldn't make it happen.
2: Yeah, you talk about the explosive plays in the past game. ESPN Sports and Information Group had this, that it's only the second time in Josh Allen's 103 NFL starts that he didn't have at least one pass play of 20-plus yards. The other time was week five of his rookie year, and we all know that that wasn't his best. He was 0 for 5 on his pass attempts of 20-plus air yards, and 20... Four of his 26 completions on the day came within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And I think what frustrates you most if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, Michael, is that this felt like the year. This felt like the opportunity right. because if you're ever going to have a Kansas City Chiefs team that has appeared to be vulnerable and you get them at home, this is the one. And credit you because you called it all week long talking about, oh, well, this is Patrick Mahomes first time on the road. He's an underdog. It doesn't matter. Home, road, underdog, Favorite. At the end of the day, it's still Patrick Mahomes, and we might as well just stop doubting this Kansas City Chiefs team.
3: I, I mean, if I would have told you that the Buffalo Bills are going to give up 6.1 yards per carry, that Andy Reid was going to call more runs than passes, you would have said no way, but he had no choice. And look, let's be clear, Pacheco's the difference in the game, right? 15 carries, 97 yards. The only reason the game is close is for some reason they felt the urge to give the ball to Hardman. I don't know why, Pacheco was running it. No one wanted to tackle him. You know, and Hartman did his best to kind of impose his will on losing the game. But they overcame that. Look, Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit for seeing his team trying to make it work all year and then finally deciding after the Raider game, after embarrassing them on th- on Christmas Day, we're going back to old school. We're going to go fix this line. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do our different things. We're going to throw it. And we got to get the quarterback to take the profits. And that's what he's done. You know, his longest pass play was only 32 yards, but he was accurate with the football. He was able to extend plays like we talked about. He had five carries for, what, 19 yards? He had the long one for 24 We thought that would happen in the game. So once again, we're back to the drawing board for the Buffalo Bills. What do they do? So my question to you is, Stormy, and for most of the people that send me these wonderful tweets about Bill Belichick's record (laughs) without Tom Brady, you know, he can't coach without – okay, all right. If under that pretense, if that's what you believe, that that Belichick is a horrible coach unless he has – Unless he has Tom Brady. What does that say about Sean McDermott?
2: No question, Michael. And I, I think that that is why a good question is, and why we're hearing a lot of people today come out and say, What's next for the Buffalo Bills? And is Sean McDermott a part of it? Because they are consistently getting to the postseason and they have success until they don't. Like that's, I feel like the Buffalo Bills are becoming the AFC version of of Dak Prescott and the Cowboys to a certain extent, where they have all of this success. They've won, what is it, 58 games the last five seasons and haven't made a Super Bowl. And you have Josh Allen, who we talk about as this incredible athlete, and he is, and I am such a Josh Allen fan. Michael, you know that. I'm singing his praises every week. That's why I thought coming in that they had a chance to win this game. Obviously, they didn't. But we have this expectation of Josh Allen as an elite quarterback that can win the big games Yet he doesn't do that in the playoffs, and this team doesn't do it in the playoffs.
3: Well, look, the team doesn't do it in the playoffs. And I think, to me, if you go back to last year and you watch what the Cincinnati Bengals were able to do when they went in there on the exact same weekend, on the exact same weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals go in there and, you know, they were able to not give up. You know, they ran the ball for 5.1 yards a carry. Think about that. The Cincinnati Bengals who don't even want to run the ball. They averaged 5-1 a carry against the Bills defense, which was, at that point, really healthy, correct? They were supposed to be. This year, they're not healthy. Okay, so they give up 6-1. Like, at some point, when are you going to sit there and say, maybe we don't have the right pieces or the size and the girth to play run defense in Buffalo in late January where we need to be physical and take the game over? They can't do it. They didn't do it against a bad Bengal team who couldn't run the ball with backup offensive linemen last year, and they sure as heck couldn't do it against a well-coached Kansas City offense that averaged 6-1. Like, at some point, there lies the problem. And for all the conversation, Josh Allen's great. Josh Allen's great, but it takes more than a great quarterback to get to the next level. That's my point. So all those ridiculous Bill Belichick, Tom Brady tweets, like, why don't you reverse it? You know, there's an old adage in decision making. If the opposite of what you want to do isn't ridiculous, then you're then you're isn't stupid, then you might be making a good decision, right? And so the opposite of this is the opposite is okay, why isn't Josh Allen winning? Why that why why didn't Warren Moon win seven? Why didn't Dan Marino win 15? You know, why did Brett Favre win one? Like, see, nobody says that. Nobody, everybody just, oh, here's the record. And they act like they're a genius when they do it. And you're watching this Buffalo Bills team, and you're sitting there saying they got one of the, They have a generational talent at quarterback. They can't get past it. They can't, they can't win a game when it's set up for them.
2: So then, Michael, what, what do they do? Like when it comes to this offseason and the cap issues that they're inevitably going to have, what do they do? How do they move forward and get those pieces together to be that more physical, winning, made team?
3: Well, I think you have to admit – you have to you have to instead of they're going to go back and say we were injured, but they won't go back to the Bengal game and say we gave up five one on thirty four carries last year. Right. That we let Joe Mixon and Sammy Prime basically average five yards a carry against us. OK. You know, in, in twenty seven carries, they average five yards a carry. They, they won't go back that. They'll just say, hey, we built this team. This is who we are. We're a nickel defense. we got to rush the passer. We'll get the lead. Okay, that's all great in theory, but in practice, it hasn't manifested itself because we get in these games and people are running the ball on us. We can beat the teams during the regular season. That's not an issue. The issue is when we get to the postseason, do we have a team that can win in the postseason? And I don't think that's the case. And and Sean McDermott, I'm not trying to get him fired. I'm trying to get him to think differently because if he does not this is going to happen again. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's why people said about this season and about this version of the team and who they were going to play that it was if not now, when? And I don't know if there's going to be a when for the Buffalo Bills like this window that they have is getting smaller and smaller. And something that you talked about earlier, you mentioned the, the Stefan Diggs drop, something that was just irritating me in the moment with some of the stuff with Diggs. And we obviously know the off field attitude of it is that if you say that I want the ball in these situations, game on the line, and you piss and moan about it, then be the guy and make the catch. Like that's what yeah. I don't like.
3: Right. I, I agree. I agree. You know, you got to make that play. I mean, I think any great player makes the play. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jerry Rice, Hall of Famer. I get it. Randy Moss got to make the play. Got to make the play. The ball was perfectly thrown, but they couldn't make a play. You know, they couldn't make a play in their passing game. And, and I find this, and I can't wait to watch the All-22 of the game because I don't understand why. Like, I, I mean, it had to be they were playing split safety because they were trying to get the ball in the middle of the field, down the field. They were trying to do different things. But the biggest myth, and we said this on the show, Stormy, is that, oh, this offense is much different with Joe Brady. They're a better offense with Joe Brady. Yeah, they're better. They ran the football, but they weren't better in the passing yeah. game. They were never better in the passing game. In, the, in a game they have to win, they didn't do it. I, I, I find it really, it's so much of the narrative that you buy into it, right? Everybody buys the narrative. And I think we learned on, Sunday, on Saturday, the Niners defense, that narrative that they're elite, they're, that they're great, they're, they have some definite strengths. They're not elite.
2: Yeah, they're going to they're the, cut out for them.
3: <laughs> they're, they're, they're not the O two 2 Bucks or the 2000 Ravens. You know, they're good, but you can run the ball on them, all that, you know. So I think this mythology that gets created from one week to the next really affects your handicapping.
2: Sure, And I know there are probably a lot of people listening saying, why are you just going in exclusively on the bills here and not giving Kansas city more of their flowers, more of their moment we'll have all week to talk about the chiefs and them moving forward as they do go on to face the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC championship game once again, which by the way, sixth straight year they're going to the AFC title game. But um, we want to focus on, on the bills here today with their season coming to a close. Also, when we come back, the lions are moving on to the NFC championship against that San Francisco 49ers team. How they got there against the Bucks and a whole lot more when we return on the Lombardi line.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal. Unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80. Feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-QX80.com. 2025 QX80
0: coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose.
5: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy
1: Bonatoni on FSN, the sports betting network. If you have an-
2: check out our new vsin.com the look is great the content even better adam burks got his latest college basketball best bets for the day zach cohen nba props for this evening and of course an opening line report for these conference championships coming up this weekend in the national football league the chiefs win outright 27 24 as a two and a half three point dog last night against the buffalo bills in the nightcap. and how about those lions who are headed to their second conference championship game in franchise history History. First time since 1991. Michael, uh, a good win there and cover for them against the Bucks last night.
3: Well, you know it's funny when you when you watch the game and you look at the game books the last two weeks, you you kind of leave thinking, wait a minute, did the best team win the game? Did the best team win that game? Are you sure the Lions? And yet, you know when you when the Lions have to make a play, when the Lions have to do the things to win the game, they do it. They give up. They they get the. This is the last two weeks. They've gotten, you know, destroyed. In the, in the game books, right? You, you look there and say, wait a minute, did they win or not? And, and you kind of wonder. I mean, Mayfield had you know 349 yards passing. They, they ran the ball way better than I thought they could. But the Lions make plays that ultimately end up winning the game for them, and you got to give them credit. And they're able to, to – they have this mental toughness, which we know they get from their head coach, that they're able to overcome adversity. They take the ball to start the game three plays later – They're punting after three incompletions, and they get an interception. And you think, oh, Tampa's going to take it over. You know, Tampa goes at the end of the half and feel like you're going to okay, they're going to take this game over, and they don't. And so, I would say resiliency is the greatest strength of this Detroit Lions team. And resiliency is hard to beat sometimes. They just don't go away. They kind of like that that dog that gnaws at your leg and just keeps on your leg, just won't let it go. Would would you say that they bite kneecaps?
2: Is that the way you might phrase that?
3: What resiliency?
2: No, I was gonna just because you said they keep gnawing on you. I said, would you say they bite kneecaps? Because that was Dan Campbell. Yeah, they bite
3: line. kneecaps. I guess you're right. Yeah, I think that's right. They just keep biting at you. Yeah. I, I, I you know, you watch that game, and I, I was said to Millie on the, you know, I said the Bucks are gonna win this. I'm sure you said the same thing watching the game. You're like the Bucks are gonna win, but then the couple things happen, and they get the thing turned around. I, I think to me. I'm not saying they're Cinderella by no means. They're a good team, and they're hard offense to play, and they run the ball, they play with physical toughness. But eventually they're going to run into a team that's not going to let them get back in it.
2: Um, by the way, a lot of those kind of hypothetical would-you-rather props yesterday you did a great job on because the Baker Mayfield touchdowns, the yards going over 300, that alternate number, all of that ends up coming home. Mayfield ends up actually being uh, having the most pass yards for the weekend, which cashed at plus 650, 7 to 1, wherever you got it from that standpoint. But when it comes to the Lions, Michael, you, you've you said a lot that maybe this is the year of Harbaugh with the Michigan Wolverines and the Ravens. Maybe it's the year of Michigan with the Lions potentially coming mm-hmm. through in the NFC. What do you think now based on what you've seen of them um, in terms of their Super Bowl chances? How do you feel?
3: Well, look, they, they have an offensive line that can block the front. Okay, last week against Green Bay, the 49ers, I hate to bring this up to you, they, they got zero sacks. They had six pressure quarterback hits on Love. Five of them came from Bosa. So what we saw in that game was we saw the ability of the Packers to protect. And Love was good for six drives. He was outstanding. had 120 quarterback rating on those six drives, 168 yards. He was 15 for 22. But then when the game got a little tighter, all of a sudden the last four possessions, he's 6 for 12. For 30 yards, he throws two picks. So they rose to the occasion. I think what Kyle Shanahan said after the game, that this was a little bit like the Cleveland game for them. When they lost Debo in Cleveland, they struggled. This game, they did a better job of handling the loss of Debo because he's such a vital, intricate part of what they do. But it still affected them. I think now they have a week to prepare that he probably may not play, and I think that'll help them because if he does play, it's easy to insert him. If he doesn't play, they've they've got their game plan already set. The Lions match up. Now, here's where you get really worried. How do the Lions stop them? The Lions Lions are not fast on defense. They're not fast when they play home, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's be clear here. They're not a fast defense even on the carpet indoors. They go outside to a grass field against a very fast offense. I think it becomes a real problem.
2: Debo Samuel, by the way, according to Ian Rappaport, he called it guarded optimism about his availability. Adam Schefter called him a 50-50 shot. Um, But the good news was that the x-rays came back negative. He did not have another hairline fracture like he had earlier this season in that shoulder. But I like the way that you say that from an offensive standpoint, like prep as if you're not going to have him, but you insert him, obviously that's going to set you up for success. The line where things sit right now, six and a half, San Francisco is favored by, which was the same as we saw on the look ahead yesterday when we were talking about the, presumed opponent. Total 51. And then for the AFC championship, same thing where it's stuck at the three. Baltimore, a three point favorite. So Kansas City on the road and an underdog yet again. Total 44 and a half in the AFC title matchup. Mark Andrews, by the way, who we saw practicing this past week, thought there was a chance he could play. Ultimately did not is expected to play in the AFC title matchup.
3: Yeah, I mean that's just another weapon. I mean, look, one thing we did know what Buffalo did a really good job offensively is running the football. And this Raven team can run it, and this Raven team can throw it, right? And so they're going, to make some, they're going to make a longer play against the chief defense than 15 yards. And the challenge is going to be is can they stop all these weapons for Baltimore? I mean, their defensive front's got to play well. And then early in that game when, when the Texans were blitzing, they created a lot of problems for Baltimore. But then once the blitzing was adjusted to and they started throwing a short passing game, a lot of things, and then all of a sudden the game flipped. And they went from 3-3 three, three and outs in a row to scoring on every drive in the second half. So again, once again, it's a game of adjustments. But this Raven team's very good. And I think it's going to be a hard matchup for Kansas City because even though Snead can take away one of the receivers, they've got other options available, which I don't think Buffalo had. And I've got to watch it today, but it looked to me like they were playing a lot of cover two. They were challenging Josh Allen to throw the check down. They were not going to give up the big play.
2: I'm curious what you think about this line where it sits at three, because initially I look at Baltimore and what they were able to do in that second half. And the way that, you know, late in the year, they really were just putting things together, especially offensively. And you think three, wow, maybe, maybe that's a gift here, only having to lay a field goal. And then conversely, you see the Kansas city chiefs and you're getting a field goal again with the chiefs. And you say, how do I turn down Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid getting a field goal because so many doubters this past week against Buffalo and then go ahead. And what do they do?
3: Yeah, I know, and and we were on the we were on the Kansas City side on that, but this is a little different, right? So th- there is not a lot of Andy Reid hasn't gone against the McDonald defense as much. He's kind of going to have to guess a little bit. He'd gone against McDermott earlier in the year. We said this on the show yesterday. Andy beating Andy Reid a second time is a hard thing to right. do, because he's going to come out and have a different game plan, and you're going to have to figure out what to do. And we saw it on the field. Without all their guys, it was hard for them to get the adjustments they needed. And, look, it doesn't excuse that you give up 6.1 because your defensive line could still make plays, Mm -hmm. right? And and their defensive line, if you're Sean McDermott, you've got to be really disappointed in your inability to get control of the line of scrimmage with your front. So I, I think this KC team is good. But I think Baltimore's got a little bit of uniqueness to them that make them very challenging to play. I think Baltimore's defense will be a hard defense for the Kansas City Chiefs to play.
2: I agree. And we've got all week to dive into that matchup. Because you bring up the Bills, though, again in that matchup, like there are so many reasons to be disappointed from that game. I know we were talking a little bit in the break, like what was up with that fake punt? When it's third and nine, do you really need to be thrown to the end zone or you just try to get the first down? I felt like time and time again, there were areas where you're just like, what are you doing? Buffalo and that's yeah. with them still getting a couple of gifts like think about the the touchback that they get with the ball going out of the end zone when the Chiefs should have scored like there's a lot of stuff
3: I mean everything went in their way right you know could he have thrown the cross to the digs which looked like that was part of the read but he had the guy open in the end zone for a touchdown Dawkins just got pushed back yeah. right You know, that became a problem. Then third down, usually when he scrambles to his right like he does on that third down play, he always makes a play. He seems like he always finds a way to kind of make a play in those situations, and he didn't. So uh, I think to me, that's a challenge. I mean, they they did a really good job on keeping him from making that explosive play. They had a couple drops in the game. He tried. He put the ball right on the money Mm -hmm. down the field too. The one kid, I thought the kid, the one kid on the left sideline, I thought that should have been a catch, but it wasn't. And then, of course, the digs one. So, look, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long winter in Buffalo. <laughs> it's gonna be a long winter in Buffalo.
2: I know I'm not giving you a lot of time here, but in our last minute, any reaction to Todd Bowles going for two?
3: You know that was kind of interesting. It, it was outside his personality. I didn't think that was something he would do. You know, uh, and you know. I, I, I'm not a believer in that. You know, nobody gave Andy Reid crap for not going for two when it was when 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 they were when they when they were offsides on the extra point. You noticed that yesterday? Yeah. Nobody, you know, he took the point, and he moved the kickoff back, tried to pin them back. Nobody said anything. I, I kind of like. I, I'm not sure. I I would rather go for two to win the game than have to go to two just to tie the game.
2: Um, we're going to step aside here when we come back, though. Hitting up Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook at the Borgata. Go behind the counter. Find out how they did at the books yesterday and where the money's moving early for these conference championship games. We'll be right back.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
2: If you're somebody who's wanting to bet smarter, remember you can put the VEASAN experts to work for you with a VEASAN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VEASAN Pro annual subscription. You'll get your first year for only $199. Just use the promo code LOMBARDI. Get access to everything we do on our brand new VEASAN.com website, plus our daily best bets with a leaderboard to see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. Betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. We've got betting systems, premium analysis, as well as 24-7 video access plus our upcoming Super Bowl betting guide with best bets and props locked and loaded. Remember, all you got to do is use that promo code Lombardi. That'll get your first year of Vsin Pro Access for just $1.99. Sign up today at VSIN.com slash subscribe. This is the Lombardi line on Vsin the Sports Betting Network alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Tony with you. And it's time to go behind the counter like we do every Monday edition with Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook at the Borgata out there in Atlantic City. Welcome in, TG. H- how was the weekend? Maybe hit us with your best and worst result
6: <laughs> well it it was um two different days for us saturday could not have gone better uh the the early game there between the texans and ravens uh, a lot of money there on the dog and uh the between the um uh the the total and um in game and uh the ravens winning that pretty handily. Uh, obviously it was a halftime, uh, different story, but uh, second half dominated by Baltimore there, that one went our way. And then the Packers and the Niners, uh, that evening, obviously green Bay staying in that game, uh, closed as a 10 point dog and, um, game stayed under the, the closing total there fifty and a half. 50 and a half. So, um, it, the only way that could have gone even better is if the Packers won that outright, which they certainly had, you know, they were, they were in it. They had a chance to do that. Uh, but uh, both games really were good results on Saturday. And then when we went into yesterday, just a, a lot of Detroit money coming in uh, yesterday. So had a decision on that game uh, didn't go our way. Um, Detroit obviously did get the cover there um closing six uh minus 120 here six and a half maybe some other spots so uh they, they covered pretty much uh wherever you got they covered the number and then it was the main event last night Chiefs and bills and that, it really felt like that it felt like it was kind of the, you know the main event of a, a you know a heavyweight title fight Um, both teams, there just trading scores and, uh, crowd was really into it. And and the betting reflected the fact that, uh, these two teams were, uh, pretty evenly matched teams, uh, the betting splits. I mean, it, it it was almost 50, 50 on the spread, uh, and even the total too. It was very evenly bet. The decision really came down to the, the fact that people were, um, putting money on the bills money line. And so the, ultimately we made some money on the game, um, losing day overall though, with, uh, with the Detroit result, but, uh, I can't complain about the weekend as a whole. Um, you know, we, we won three out of the four, uh, we were on the right side of it. So, uh, overall very, very good results. And now we, uh, we move into the final four, uh, for next Sunday.
3: Two things, TG. What did you close that Detroit Tampa line at, and what was the initial reaction to your opening lines on the championship weekend?
6: So the the lines closed six minus one twenty uh, in that game, and we we opened San Francisco as a seven point favorite uh, over Detroit, and the the Ravens opened as a three and a half point uh, favorite. Um, over Kansas city. So what we have seen so far is money on both dogs here, both these games. So we've made some adjustments. Now uh, the Ravens went from three and a half, this down to three uh, again, had uh chief's money there at taking the three and a half in that one. And then the, the lions also uh, people were taking the lions uh, plus the seven. So that game has moved now to six and a half. And when you're when you're looking at the splits, I mean, obviously it's early. Uh, these lines have been up for, uh, you know, less than t- 24 hours at this point. Uh, it, you know, it, it's almost uh, Detroit's receiving almost double uh, the handle than the Niners uh, in that game, and uh, almost the same case here with uh, Kansas City and the Ravens. Um, so both dogs uh, seem to be the the popular play early, and uh, both numbers have been adjusted.
2: Well, TG, let's pull back the layers a little bit more on that Lions 49ers game, because at first blush, I did think that the Lions were probably going to get a little bit more action just based on the way we've seen them play with maybe some concern seeing San Francisco come out sluggish and Brock Purdy's issues in that game this past weekend. But is that an overreaction? Like, what's your view of this matchup? Because San Francisco, we know all season long has looked like a Super Bowl contender
6: they Have and I still have San Francisco as the number one power rated team in the NFL. I do, I do make them a favorite at this point. If, if you were to create a Niners Ravens Super Bowl right now, uh, the Niners would be favored. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's an overreaction. Obviously, Debo, uh, his status is up in the air. I think he's fifty-fifty. They're saying this morning, uh, so you know there might be some overreaction to what you're seeing between Debo's status. Yes, the sluggishness uh, that they displayed there against Green Bay on Saturday, and uh, I mean. Listen, I, I think the Lions uh, had a lot tougher of a game than people originally thought. Certainly the way that people were betting it, uh, nobody expected Tampa, at least from the way that they were uh, back in Detroit with their dollars, expected Tampa to be in that game. But uh, Tampa stayed with them. Uh, so, so we'll see here uh, how this goes. Uh, but, yeah, right now sitting at six and a half.
3: Yeah. I, I, did you ever touch seven, TG, or did you just open at six and a half and stay right there?
6: No, we, we did open seven. We did open seven. So it's down a half point from the opener. Both, both uh, games have moved to half a point from where we opened last night.
2: I did have kind of a random follow up question to the, the the Bucks game last night with them electing to go for two. I know my dad was somebody who had the Bucks plus seven in that game. And so he mm-hmm. was texting me a lot of uh, words that I can't say here on the program in frustration <laughs> in that moment. So so curious if you guys where you were throughout the week, where did you have any sevens out there? And did you have people pretty frustrated at the book yesterday when when they went for it?
6: Uh, we never hit seven in that game. There were some six-and-a-halves, uh, the, the people. And, you know, again, I, there was just not a um, a ton of Tampa money yesterday at all. It was mostly late Detroit money uh, all day of uh, in that game. And uh, the way that these games work throughout the week, it, it almost seemed like uh, the advance handle that you took throughout the week leading up to the weekend uh, most of the advance handle was on Saturday's games. The, the two Sunday games uh, really paled in comparison and handle uh, up until the day of. Uh, then, of course, everybody was obviously betting it. But if you looked at on Friday, the way that these four games were bet, uh, Saturday's games had a, a ton of handle on compared to the two Sunday games.
3: It's amazing. It really is. And the Detroit momentum is just going to carry over. Don't you think so? Where do you, what's your best guess Monday? It won't hold you to it. What's your best guess where the Lions 49er line closes?
6: Uh, I think it's probably going to, right right now, it's going to remain around six and a half. Uh, I, I think that's probably where it's going to close. You know, uh, we'll see when, when some... Um, You know, maybe some groups get involved later in the week when limits rise, uh, where they take positions. But uh, I think six and a half right now is probably where it's going to stay. You might see it toggle back and forth a little bit. But I I would guess that it's going to end right around six and a half, of course, right at six and a half in that one.
2: Last thing before we let you go. Who are you rooting against for the Super Bowl at this point from a liability standpoint?
6: Uh, So. For the Super Bowl, we're in decent shape on all four of these. The the Lions would be our best result for the Super Bowl, uh, followed by Baltimore. Uh, Really where our liability lies is with uh, the Chiefs for the AFC championship. Uh, There's a a monster swing uh, in the AFC future book between the Chiefs and the Ravens, so we're going to need the Ravens uh, certainly in, in that one just to win that outright because took a big uh, six-figure bet on the Chiefs. I'm going to guess around week six or seven, somewhere in there. I have to go back to look exactly, but um, th- there's certainly a lot of liability there, future liability on Kansas City for the um, for the AFC Championship.
2: Good stuff, TG. Thanks for doing this.
3: Thanks, right. TG. Thank you guys.
2: That's Thomas Gable always- at forgotta Sports. Yeah.
3: You know he's got liability on the Eagles, too, already. I mean, somehow it's going to work its way in there. Of course, you know?
2: of course. Oh, God. I feel so bad for that community. What what his day must have been like last week after that loss? Brutal.
3: Well, it's been a whole week. I mean, you know, it's it, now we're in the – we're you know, we – We got rid of the defensive coordinator. We got rid of Matt Patricia. The offensive coordinator's rumored to be getting fired. So now the Ron Rivera's coming in for an interview has sent shockwaves through Twitter. You're talking about, I mean, here's Ron Rivera, who was presided over one of the worst defenses in all of football last year and got worse after he took it over. Is now coming in to be your Eagle defensive interview coordinator. Good luck. See how this goes. That was
2: not what fans wanted to hear. Uh, Speaking of of the coaching carousel. No, not at all. Speaking of the coaching carousel, though, hires and fires. We'll get into it all with Albert Breer of the MMQB coming up next.
0: Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler 24 7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul.
3: The six years ahead, she saw what was
4: coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall. And the reinvention of an American icon.
1: Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her.
4: A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive
1: Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports
3: betting network.
2: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL postseason, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs that much more electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game, and you'll get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, that code VSIN, the crown is yours. And I, opportunity missed, Michael, but I definitely feel like I should have joked with TG when he was on with us that, like, Sportsbooks are just lucky they're still in business at this point. With how many same game teasers we be hitting out here? The SGTs
3: came through again. I love it. You're on fire. And look, you teased that over perfectly. You were a little, you were sweating that bad boy out on the field goal. But, you know, I mean, you got it. It's like, I I thought for sure, you know, the 49er Packer game would go over. It should have. Uh, but, you know, the missed field goals kind of kill you in those situations. But you nailed it with that. That was a great call. So you, it's, you're going to roll.
2: It's so funny. And, like, I'm glad we, I've come onto this show enough times with my head hanging that I'm depressed about a loss. So it's nice to have a couple of these fun ones. But I was so sweating out that Chiefs Bills result because I thought it was dead in the water. And then I know Bills fans don't want to hear it, but that wide right was a saving grace for your girl last night. Uh, let's continue yeah. to talk about that game, though, as Albert Breer joins us. now, of course, of the MMQB, NFL Insider, NBC Sports Boston, where you can find his work. And and Albert, yesterday, with that result, it's like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and maybe the divisional round as a whole just appear to be this Buffalo Bills team kryptonite. How did things unfold as you were watching yesterday?
5: Yeah, um, you know, I just uh, like I think in in a way it struck me because I kind of reminded me of like 20 years ago um, when Tampa couldn't quite breakthrough under Tony Dungy. And, you know, it's, it it can be a number of things, um, but every year it's something it feels like, and they've gotten older in some key spots and and now they're pretty beat up and they don't have Matt Milano. They don't have Tredavious white and the linebacker situation hit a critical mass yesterday and Diggs doesn't look the same. And it just, it feels like every year it's something else that bites them. And um, yeah, it's just like, you feel like you're not you're you're missing the window with that this one group of players, you know? Um the window probably will be open as long as Josh Allen is there, but with again, that like Tradavius White, Matt Milano, Ed Oliver, Deion Dawkins, Stefan Diggs group, um You might have a year left. You might have two years left or this might be it, but it definitely feels like that window's closing. And, you know, maybe they're at that same point of urgency that Tampa was when they couldn't break through 20 years ago under Tony Dungy.
3: Do you think they make a move in Buffalo, Albert?
5: Um, No, I think Sean McDermott is going to be the coach next year, but I could see them. I, I could see changes elsewhere. And I'm not sure where that's going to be exactly because it does seem like Joe Brady did a pretty good job, you know, with, with the offense there. Um, So do you bring in a defensive coordinator? So Sean McDermott doesn't have to call it. Um, What do you do about the salary cap situation? Josh Allen's um, number jumps next year. Um, You know, and there's big picture decisions on whether or not this is the year to sort of retool things a little bit in general. So um, I, I would expect some tweaking. The question is, I think, do you, do you do you start to reset for the future? Do you go all in with the group that you have now? Um, and do you make tweaks and changes on the staff? Because, you know, again, like I, I think the changes that they made, um, those are still new. You know, like the change to Joe Brady as offensive coordinator, the change to Sean McDermott as the defensive play caller, those are still new. So I don't know if it would make a ton of sense to to change those things again after after just going through so much change.
2: And from a personnel standpoint, too, you mentioned Steph Diggs not looking the same. Is there any mm-hmm. potential retooling there with him? What do you think about Diggs?
5: It's interesting because his his cap number is is big and it's it's not going to be easy to to offload him because of his contract. So um I think they're in a little bit of a tough spot. I mean, I think You look at it and you'd like to, you know, maybe get another year out of him. But, you know, if you're not feeding him the ball a hundred times, is that going to be a problem for you from a chemistry standpoint? Um, You know, and at the same time, how do you bring in a guy who's eventually going to replace him? Like, I I feel like they've got some nice young pieces. Khalil Shakir had a really nice year. Um, Maybe he scores the winning touchdown if, if Chris Jones doesn't push Deion Dawkins into, into Josh Allen last night, Dalton Kincaid certainly looks like he's going to be a weapon. Um, but, you know, if Diggs can't be that number one guy anymore, um, is it time to start to look at, at going and getting one? And, you know, what would that mean for Diggs' future? And can you bring him back as a complementary piece? I think those are all very um, tough questions and, and open questions as the Bills head in the offseason. Today's the first day where teams can bring in second
3: interviews. So there's a bunch of guys yeah. getting their second interviews. They can do them in person. What What do you hear is the next job that will be closed? The Raiders close with Antonio Pierce. Mm-hmm. What's the next job that, that's going to hire? Who's closest to hiring, I guess, is the question
5: I'm asking. I mean, well, the, the team that's closest to hiring logistically, Michael, would be the Chargers because they've complied with the Rooney rule. So they can hire somebody tomorrow if they want to. Um, Now, they've committed to being thorough about this. They're supposed to bring a bunch of guys back this week for second interviews, which would be in person. But I think if we're being realistic about this, we know where their focus is. And their focus has been on Jim Harbaugh and whether or not they're going to get a yes or a no from Jim Harbaugh. And so... Um, you look at the general manager candidates that they've they brought through there. I can name four um, that that have ties to Harbaugh and Joe Ortiz, who's in Baltimore with his brother, Ian Cunningham, who came up in Baltimore, Ed Dodds, who has background back to, I believe, when you were there, right, Michael, with uh yep, with absolutely, yeah. and, Yep. And then uh, and then Brandon Brown who has a relationship with him. So you can see the pieces of, of the Harbaugh infrastructure there. To me, I, I think they're they're sort of running on two tracks. It's like the pursuit of Harbaugh on one track. And then the contingencies on the other track. And I've felt for a while that they're willing to pay Jim what he wants. I think it's, are they willing to put everything around Jim that he's going to require to be comfortable there? So are you willing to maybe pay Jesse Minter 4 million bucks to come over for Michigan as the defensive coordinator? Are you willing to bring in the general manager he wants? seems like they're willing to do that with the guys that they've interviewed. How do you set up ownership, right? Like as John Spanos is involved in football as he's been in the past. Um, you know, I think that'd be important to Jim, given, um, how things went with ownership in San Francisco. So I think all of these things are, are, are questions that, that still need to be answered satisfactory, satisfactorily. And, you know, if they are, I think Jim could be the coach there this week. If not, you know, you've got that other track where you're, you're going through your contingency plans.
3: And,
2: and with that, like, what does that mean for the Atlanta Falcons who are clearly big game hunting as well? It seems yep. like Bill Belichick has been the front runner there, but are they exploring their options as well? What have you heard?
5: Yeah. So like they, they've certainly brought in some guys who have some experience. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been in the mix there too. And so like, I, I, I feel like Arthur Blank after being through everything that he's been through and 20 years of ownership and, you know, going the young coordinator route with Jim Mora all those years ago and Dan Quinn and, um, and more recently, obviously Arthur Smith, um, yeah, he feels like he's got a roster that's relatively close. And um, I know that, you know, there's this has been something that he's been thinking about for well over a month, the idea of taking a big swing. So, you know, while they are looking at everybody, I think that big swing is, 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 is like his primary focus. And the big swing would be Belichick. And I think in a certain way, this is sort of similar to, to Harbaugh and that maybe it's not about money so much as it's about structure and what it's going to look like around bill. If he does go there, you know, what's, what's Rich McKay's role? Like, I think that that's important. You know, if, if Bill's going to be there, how does the front office set up with, uh, with, with coaching, how does personnel set up with coaching? Um, you know, to me, like those are the questions that you really have to ask. And so I do think that Arthur blank, you know, if he has his brothers, would like to take the big swing. And so, you know, I think that puts Bill Belichick first, maybe Mike Vrabel. Um, second. And and then I think that you have some of the younger assistants in the mix. And if, if they were going to go with somebody younger, I, I do think one name is sort of under the radar to keep an eye on would be Joe Brady. Um, he's somebody who finished second to Arthur Smith three years ago when they hired Smith. And so he's somebody that they did have background with and like. But again, I think their priority would be to go get a Belichick or a Vrabel.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of have a hard time. I mean, he went after Bill Parcells. He's going after Joe Gibbs, you know, to me, to sell it to his fan base. And I think you're right. I think it's going to have to be the right structure. Where do you hear Vrabel? I mean, other than Atlanta and the Chargers, is he a hot commodity yeah. anywhere? And if, there's always a surprise after this round. What What would be your guess of a surprise opening that would happen?
5: Well, so um, it's weird, Michael, but it feels like Vrabel is almost... It's almost like Vrabel is running second in a bunch of places. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like, well, if Atlanta doesn't hire Belichick, maybe it'd be Vrabel. If the Chargers don't hire Harbaugh, maybe it would be Vrabel or Quinn or Carroll. If Seattle doesn't hire Quinn, maybe it would be Vrabel. So I, I think a lot of people like Mike, um, but is he second in those places? Like, I think Philly, like, would have... If, if, if that had opened... Um, I, I certainly could have seen Vrabel being a possibility there so I think with Mike specifically he's very well thought of and rightfully so um, but it does feel like there are a bunch of teams out there that maybe say okay if we can't get this guy then we're going to turn to Mike Um I don't know if there's a surprise firing coming. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that might have been Seattle. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I'm not sure who the surprise firing would be after the divisional round.
2: Fair. Albert, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate you. Thanks, Albert.
5: Best of luck. Thanks, guys.
2: I hate when that music comes. I had like 20 more questions. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Keep it locked right here. Hour two coming up.
4: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly at bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VEGAS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8hopeNY or text openY In Connecticut, help is available for Problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, Boyd in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This year's Super Bowl without becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber. You'll get access to daily top picks from the VEASAN experts, our 24-7 video stream, and betting split so you can stay ahead of the line movement on every game. Join now and save more than $40 on an annual subscription using promo code SUPER. That's nearly 20% off the original price. That'll get you access to everything VEASAN has to offer through the Super Bowl, March Madness, and more. Sign up at VEASAN.com pro and use the promo code SUPER. If you didn't catch Follow the Money, here's what you missed.
3: Six years in a row, Mahomes is in the AFC title game, and it's just all the issues they had on offense and the drops, and here they are, one win away from going back to the Super Bowl. It's nuts. But you you feel for the Buffalo fans? I don't think they're going to beat. They're probably going to get run out against the Ravens anyways, but you just... You really have to look at yourself in the mirror and examine things now in the off-season, because there's some monster head coaches out there. You can't get over the hump. This is their ceiling. It's a big deal that you can't beat Mahomes because he's not going anywhere. And and the Bills get
5: beat again. You finally you got this game at home. You finally got Mahomes coming to town, and you still lost. Got the lead at halftime. Got the lead at halftime. Yep. You're able to run on this team. Yep. They're giving you ever everything that you want underneath. Nothing deep. You know, Spagnola's is really, really good. Obviously, he's a defensive coordinator. Man, I, the fake punt really drove me nuts. I don't know why yeah. he was pulling out the Dan Campbell
4: business. Follow the money weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. The best way to bet the NFL playoffs is by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Unlock our 24-7 channel, daily articles, betting splits to see which side the public is on, and picks sent to your inbox every day from the VEASAN betting experts. Whether you're looking to bet futures, hit the prop markets, or just bet the sides of every NFL playoff game, VEASAN, the sports betting network, is here to help. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's V-S-I-N.com slash subscribe.
1: So, Paulie, have you had a chance to read the v daily yet? Yeah, came in at 3 a.m. What's Bill doing up that late? Well, rumor has it, it starts off with a 12-hour meditation session. Then he just pours himself over film and live TV, really focusing and taking it all in. Bill's in with the biggest insiders, talking trade secrets, strategies, the whole nine, absorbing the info. And then and only then can the writing process begin.
3: In Las Vegas, bills late night becomes your early morning. Wake up to the very latest betting insights in your inbox with the VSN Daily.
1: Sign up for free at slash newsletter Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-QX80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so
2: cool. I think you're so talented.
1: Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.
0: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game.